Hello there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a special edition of Film Sociology here at WFYI, WFYI.org, with a massive, epic opening like that. Why is it special? Well, of course, yeah, that film opened, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But joining me in studio, making her triumphant return to film sociology after many, many years, and it will be part one of uh, what I hope will be a at least for about a year or so, a long and, and successful series of chats, former film sociology kids film correspondent and now grown teenage woman, my daughter, Emma Sosi. Hi. Hi. <laughs> She's don't 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 let her fool you folks. She's excited to be here. She's 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 partaking in the old man's whims of being on the show. So thank you for being here. So we we've we've prepared for this. So um, without getting into too much of my personal life for the last few days, because you know life gets in the way, and uh, and a loss of a friend will do that. But I have to give Emma all the credit in the world for the day I found I, the day I was very very sad. That we got to do, uh, we got to see the r- new film version of Shaft, and then have pizza, and then watch the original Shaft, which we'll get to in a little bit. So, uh, yes, that's part of the reason why we had the extra long intro. Um, it was fun watching her respond to how it just kept building and building, and then there are horns, and then there are strings, and then there, and then there's Chef from South Park. So. Anyway, uh, yes, Shaft, the new film version of Shaft is open in theaters. Um, yes, Sam Jackson is in it. Yes, Richard Roundtree shows up in the last quarter of the film. But uh, a lot of this falls on the shoulders of Jesse T. Usher, who plays the son of John Shaft. He is uh, he's a computer guy for the FBI and uh, winds up investigating on his own a case of a friend of his who appears to have died of an overdose, but not really. And, you know, there's nefarious things going on. But he's not supposed to be an agent. He's supposed to be a computer computer geek. But he goes to his uh, father, the father who abandoned him when he was much younger, the, the famous John Schaff, played by Sam Jackson, playing this for the second time in his career. And uh, and they, they investigate the case. So, um, and I love the fact that we're talking about this film because Emma's grown up with me touting the uh, the value of the original Shaft film. She's nodding in agreement. And and then, of course, this one comes out. So what has happened, of course, over over the last several years is there have been numerous remakes of, of movies. And part of it is, and I think because they're targeting your audience it is it's a product it's a people will say like you oh if you if you hadn't grown up with you know this guy you'd say oh that's that's a known film or that's a remake of something so mm-hmm. does that sort of thing work for guys your age um kind of kind i would say um it gives me similar sort of vibes to um like the like bohemian rhapsody and newer films that are just kind of going over like common knowledge or common um pop culture icons and rather than creating something well it's okay no no it's okay um it's well it's like like okay 
you, you mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. You, you were familiar with a band called Queen before the movie came out. Yes, and, and I knew some of their music. Okay. But um, some of these newer films are more deeply introducing um, my generation to um, existing media. Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so, and I... And I think that's part of the reason why they do this. Yeah. I mean, that's why you know there's been God, like a Point Break, and there's been a number of of uh, of remakes or reboots, I guess, depending on how you talk about it. So I will ask because I, you are my guest and I am the host. I will give you first crack. You we we saw Shaft together last mm-hmm. night. You were the youngest one there by far. I mean, how many people were there? Yeah, there were not a whole lot of people. Where we were, that is not a reflection on the film, but uh, it was Thursday at 6 o'clock, and it was good timing for us. So um, your your thoughts on the uh, the new film of Shaft? I thought it was really fun. Um, I appreciated the beginning of it because it gave me – I, I'd not seen um, any of the previous. Believe it or not, folks. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, I know. I just longtime film sociology this listeners and my friends assume. No, I think I think Blackula has been your only uh, foray into black exploitation, and that's been it. Right. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so I'd not seen any of the previous Shaft films. So it was um, it was a nice little setup um, before we dive headfirst. Um, and th- that's definitely something when it comes to um, bigger action and superhero brands that I find intimidating to start with is, like, I want to see a n- newer film because that's what all of my friends and everyone's talking about, but I'm scared to approach it because I don't feel like I'm going to understand the world. Were you pressured by classmates about Endgame? Um, I mean, not not pre- like not it's not drugs. I it's- mean. It's- <laughs> Come on, man, see it. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> hey, kid, want some Endgame? Right. But, um, no, but okay. I just, I heard a lot of talk about it, and people would be discussing it. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yes, that's my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, I, it made it very approachable. Okay. Um, what's his face? The junior. Yeah, Je- I'm I'm looking Jeff up what Junior. else Je- Jeff. Well, it's kind of Jesse yeah. T. Usher, not the singer Usher. Uh, I I know he was in Almost Christmas, and he was in the new. Oh, that was another uh, the new Independence Day film. I know none of uh, Yeah, I know not Ride, uh, Stronghold. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Anywho, yeah, he was cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, here we go. Well, well, and I, the whole sort of like metrosexual, well put together look, I felt made for um a nice a nice sort of balance between like getting the youths to see <laughs> like you yes um to be like into it and be like yeah he's one of us but also <laughs> like w- the film made fun of that enough to like get boy did they ever your gen oh, my. To, to not be like oh the youth is taking over that's ex- happening that's exactly how we sound yeah um. we, we also shake our fists in anger and yes. yell at clouds um but it, it felt like a nice compromise between okay we're we're making this for a new generation but we're, we're keeping it light enough that the old fans won't get upset and now here comes the old fans. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I promise I will try not to cinema splain. Although oh, I think I think I've been doing that for you since November of two thousand and one. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess this is one of your first buddy films, buddy cop films, I guess. No? But have you seen other? Think about what other ones you had. Um, nice guys. Oh, that's true. Um, Central Intelli- Central Intelligence. Everything old. <laughs> mean. Okay. Um, should be known. Yeah, I have. I have an emotional attachment to the Richard Roundtree Shaft films. Um, I've had that for a long, long time. When I saw the trailer, I was nervous, and then when I saw the product, yeah, I was. Um. It's it's a little too jokey for my taste. Um, I think th- these are and believe it or not, these are ba- the Shaft. John Shaft is based on a series of novels that were written back in the sixties, early seventies mm-hmm. by Ernest Tiedemann, who did the screenplay for the first Shaft film, which we'll get to in a little bit. I think he did the last, the first two Shaft films, and he's written other things. And there is also a graphic novel. Uh, I believe my buddy Walker Shaw is is a part of that. So there's there's I I wish. That they maybe pulled from one of the old novels or the graphic novel and do something with that. Um, I, I think millennials are kind of an easy target. They're it's oh, yeah. kind of low hanging fruit. For so, sure. and and I think they lean too much on that. You could do. I think I wanted a grittier version. Mm-hmm. You can have some funny stuff, and there is some funny stuff in round in the original version, which, like I said, we'll get. I keep saying we'll get to. Um, but I just, I, I just thought it was really low hanging fruit. But then again, it brings your, your, you people, your younger generation, <laughs> in to see something like this. Yeah. Um, Sam, ja- this is the second time Sam Jackson has played John Shaft. I saw and and thought the John Singleton version was okay. Um, but you've seen Sam, and it, but it's it's really kind of Sam Jackson, and you've seen yeah. Sam Jackson be Sam Jackson since Pulp Fiction. That's right. the first. I think that was the first. No, The Incredibles, of course, yeah. Frozone. So, uh, and yes, we will get into Emma films from her y- younger days uh, later on in the show. So it's it, he just kind of has to show up. Yeah. Um, so, so, as far as it being funnier, um, I. I definitely miss a cool, serious, um, sort of, like, style isn't the word I'm looking for. Aesthetic? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, and this is personal preference, but, like, that's why I don't watch a lot of superhero movies, um, is because so many of them just take themselves so seriously and it just feels like the same thing over and over okay. again. So I definitely, I would be interested in seeing this, uh, a version of this new shaft that was more serious, more. Well, and that's kind of what we, that's kind of what we were doing last night, but, right. but, um, but I don't, and, and I'm trying not to yuck your yum. Yeah. So, um, I you you could still do a old school nudes new school or you could do uh, father and son and they and they I think you could have brought it down a, made it a little more serious. Um, I've seen a lot and the other thing is and, and this is another generational thing. I've seen a lot of buddy cop films and yeah. I've seen a lot of action scenes. The action scenes are very. Yep. <laughs> this you've seen it. You've seen guns a shooting. You know guns a blazing and people flailing and mm-hmm. stuff falling and you know there's there's a there's a moment in the film 
where without giving away a whole lot of somebody sma- getting shot and smashing through a window. And of course it's in slow motion and it's stylized and it's just kind of, and uh, the three of them going through the window is an homage to something that happens to Roundtree in the first mm. Shaft film. So yeah, and there's a little play ons with, and I, I don't mind that. There's there's a scene where a uh, Shaft's ex-wife is on a date, and he says the uh, that Shaft is a bad mother. And, you know, that's the lyric from the song, and they, they little things like that. That yeah. that doesn't bother me. And it's always nice to see, for me. It's always nice to see Richard Roundtree working, and mm-hmm. he he shows up as the grandpa of the group, and you know, kind of does the Sean Connery Indiana Jones thing of what happens when you bring a knife to a gunfight and it's in the trailer so i'm not really giving away a whole lot <laughs> so uh anyway so yeah i i wish it, it took itself a little more seriously um but it's it's not the worst thing it's no. it's fine but you and, and you enjoyed it I so enjoyed it. all right so there see there you go there um the other thing that uh, the other thing i want to address and they do bring it up in the film is there's a moment and i'm explaining this to my daughter um where they there's a moment where Sam Jackson and Richard Roundtree have a bit where they talk about being an uncle. Yeah, I didn't So get what in was. in the John Singleton version of Shaft, Richard Roundtree shows up and Sam Jackson calls him Uncle Jay. So it's it's not his dad, it's his uncle. So they mm-hmm. kind of and I believe you if you go online to wfyi.org, you can or freshair.org, I believe Richard Roundtree was interviewed this week and they do address some of that. Um so, yeah, there's jokes about the song, but I just thought, yeah, the uh, the prim and proper, trying not to fight, try, you know, and it felt like Ride Along, except, you know, Jesse T. Usher is a little cheaper than Kevin Hart um, doing that kind of film. Well, it's like Central Intelligence, if you remember the Dwayne Johnson yeah. and Kevin. Yeah, it's fine. So anyway, that that is out there. Um, so I guess if you're if the the less you know about Shaft, I guess the more you're going to enjoy this <laughs> than the old curmudgeon. No, that's fine. It's fine. I am I am old and I will stay on the front porch. So um, with that, we after the movie, we grabbed a pizza, came home and watched uh, watched the original Shaft, which full disclosure, you fell asleep and that's okay. I'm a tired lady. <laughs> But I have lots of summering to do. Yes, you do have lots of summary. That's why we appreciate your time here at Film Sociology. Mm-hmm. So the so a little historical uh, background on this. That's the film is 1971. Prior to this, the only African American leading men were Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. So yeah, I know it's a long time. So uh, Jackson or Roundtree, who was a model, um, this was his big break. Mm-hmm. The film is also directed by uh, Gordon Park Sr., who is a uh, is a famous uh, photographer. He spent had some great photos done in Life magazine, among others. And this was his second film as a director. The first one being the film version of The Learning Tree. So. Um, what I, what I love about, and it's a, it's a, you know, in, in this John Shaft is hired by a mobster to, uh, to find and get his daughter, daughter his kidnapped daughter. Yeah. Um, and yes, I think you lasted about a third of the way through the film, it's, which is fine. But, um, there, I remember you said one thing you were like, you, as you were watching, you were like, oh, the close ups. Oh my goodness. I, 
And this this is a different <laughs> aesthetic. This zooms. is well because he's a photographer. Yeah. Well, and I I really love on multiple occasions it would zoom cut away, then the next cut back it was closer yeah. than the end of the zoom because the zoom would not like pause before the cut. Um, then it would be closer and then cut away. And then cut back, and it's even closer, and then it just stays there. <laughs> yeah, welcome to seventies filmmaking. <laughs> but uh, and and this is one where it's it's a standard detective story, and I think the and the weight of that film lies on the shoulders of Richard Roundtree and his charisma, mm-hmm. and. The scene early on where he's dealing with his police contact, the old uh, stodgy white guy, right. and I mean that's and that's kind of. And there's a line where he said, which we can't really say here, but he's, he says to John Chef, where, where, where are you going? And he has that response of, I'm going to go get, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that kind of flippant, smart-alecky humor, I guess, if, I, I could have used a little more of that in this than yeah. some of the slapstick stuff. Like, there's a scene in the remake where um, the... the uh, the son who's, you know, coconut water drinking, mm-hmm. uh, Uber riding, saying, you know, finally gets loose and gets drunk at a bar. And then there's a fight that that becomes a, a little amusing, so a little you, entertaining. I feel like you probably would have preferred something that's a little more like, mm, cool. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yes, you just did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, just, but you're you editing. Just, no, 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 I'm actually going to keep it in. So, yeah. Oh, okay. And the fact that you said it off mic. No, it's fine. I, I got what you were saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like yeah. cool, badass moment. And then at the end, like some some cool line. Yeah, like, and, and, seems... and there is one in the in the original. So I hope yeah. I hope we can finish that it. That seems to be more your aesthetic. For fine. <laughs> uh, aesthetic. Um, but also what I love about um, the original is he. I I, I think I know there was some guerrilla filmmaking as far as you know you don't need a permit you just kind of get out in the street and shoot. Run. There is there is kind of that a little bit, and it's also you know seventies grungy New York. And by the way, the remake of Shaft was filmed in Atlanta, posing as New York. So mm-hmm. there, you, well, tax breaks. It's yeah. fine. But um, but also you see a lot of Shaft on the street getting contacts. There's and of course the brilliant score by Isaac Hayes. There's one in particular. It's a Soulville, uh, where it's a it's a song that you hear Isaac Hayes singing, and he's going from door to door to contact to contact, and it's it just that's kind of the beat of of a detective. It's not just the shootings and the you know the the crashing through windows. So it's getting information from this person, that person, his contacts, the guy who's the you know shoe shiner and the blind newspaper mm-hmm. guy. That I dug. I think if there was maybe a little more footwork than uh, than yucks. Yeah. So that I mean that part I really really liked and and in, for 1971, Richard Roundtree was very very smooth and it, it's fun to watch him well, in this story. And I feel like the goal of the new one was less um, less to create like this one plot and we're going to follow it through and more about their dynamic. Yeah, I mean because the new film version of Chef, you have an interesting villain. Who doesn't really show, and it's what Sam Jackson's target has been from the get-go of the film, mm-hmm. and he has very little to do. And I would like to have seen a little more of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. So there's there's a couple things going on. There is solving the case, and then the the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. So 
So there you go. So I'm hoping over the weekend uh, we'll get maybe another pizza and <laughs> and finish. And of course, um, the song, the theme, which you just heard, right. that that won the Academy Award for Best Song in 1971. Because prior, to, it's it's I think still my favorite mm-hmm. Best Song winner, and even better than uh, Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen. Because prior to that, it was heavy ballads and orchestrated crooning stuff right. and. Or something from a musical, and uh, and and the fact that you saw Isaac Hayes in his gold chain outfit performing <laughs> at the Academy Award—I have to find that clip for you. So, yeah. so yeah, and of course, yes, Chef from South Park. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna make my daughter have disgusted Kermit face um, when your mother and I saw Isaac Hayes play at Indie Jazz Fest. The two songs that I had to hold your mother and kiss was theme from Shaft and Chocolate Salty Balls. Yes. Moving on, ladies and gentlemen. You're here. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show. I'm here with my guest, disgusted daughter, Emma Sosi. (laughs) I know. She has to live with it, folks. You just get it once a week. So, all right. Let's, that's the big thing that's opening. Because do you have any interest in Men in Black International? Mm. No. Mm. That's a no, folks. So, (laughs) Not enough. Not even looking at Chris Hemsworth. Not enough for that. You could look at him in other things. Yeah. Okay. See, that's another one. That's because uh, the first one is fine. Second, didn't need the second one unless you like to look at Josh Brolin inter- imitating Tommy Lee Jones in the third. There's that. But yeah, that's also out there. Okay. Um, this weekend, <laughs> here's another running routine in the household. Of course, at Keystone Arts, it is already up and running. The summer midnight movie series. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Snoopy. <laughs> so um, this weekend, of course, at uh, Friday and Saturday at midnight at Keystone Arts is The Goonies, which I think I need to revisit because I, I wasn't telling you I need to see it. And I'm, I wasn't crazy about it when it came out. I was 15, I think. So maybe I should check that out again. Um, June 21st and 22nd is Perfect Blue um, from the director of Paprika, June 28th and 29th, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Heck yeah. Are you here for that? Uh, June? Yes. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's work on that. <laughs> that might be it. So um, July 5th and 6th, The Dark Crystal. Uh, June, July 12th and 13th, The Room. Nope. Oh, come Not on. Not doing it. You're going to be out of town. I will have just gotten home. <sighs> I'm doing that. Jet lag. You're you're jet lag. Uh, July 19th and 20th, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. July. I've seen the first two-thirds of that. Really? Yeah. You like it? it. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) Um, July 26th and 27th, Jurassic Park. August 2nd and 3rd, Princess Mononoke. Um, August 9th and 10th, Donnie Darko. August 16th and 17th, Eraserhead. Oh, and August 23rd and 24th, your test, Pulp Fiction. So, I, little background if you've not heard the story. I'm sorry, gather around the radio. Uncle Sos, Uncle Matt is that you was talking, but um, when Emma was about ten, you really it was the midnight movies at Keystone Arts, and she really, really wanted to see Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. And and it's funny because they've brought it back since. And uh, I still haven't. I know, heard. I know. So I was concerned because I didn't know if she had the stamina. To stay up that late. And now that I've lived with you as a teenager, mm. you do. Yeah. So I said, 
Because there, there are these moments we have around the Sosie household. I call it pop culture Atticus Finch. You know, learning lessons involving movies and music and theater and TV and other things. And uh, I said, you need to watch a midnight movie at home first. And if I think you can do, you know, if you can do it, then then I'll take you to a midnight movie. So it was a snowy January night, I believe. We were staying at your grandparents. Um, I was I was on the air on Saturday. I got home about 1030, and she, with great pride, said, Dad, I'm ready to take the test. And I always brought a bag of movies with me. Like a duffel bag. A, yeah, because you never know a what lot. you're... I know, you never... Yeah, I've, I, I got dragged into streaming, kicking and screaming, I believe. <laughs> still still kicking, still screaming. Yes. But uh, but she went into the bag and pulled out Pulp Fiction. So we waited until midnight, and then two forty five a.m. I looked at you and you loved it. And although you had one question, and she took me by the hand and said, "Walk me through it." And what she meant was chronologically where yeah where how did where does this start and where does this end? And that was it. Mm-hmm. And then you enjoyed it. Yep. And we and then I, we did Kill Bill the next night. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Which. Uh, Eye rolls from we, Yeah, we used the term sitcom wife look or sitcom mom look, and mm-hmm. yeah, we both got it. It also didn't help that I had posted it on the internet, Yeah, and the first person to respond was mom. It was the beginning of your Facebook postings. Of that? Of, yeah. We've done stuff like that. We There's a joke we have called uh, Facebook Mad Libs. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like if people that you know, you and I will grill some form of protein yep. while listening to some album, and then we sit down and watch some movie. So that's not bad. I appreciate that. Okay, so that is Keystone Arts, um, the uh, Newfield's summer movie series. Uh, if you're listening to this on the 14th, if it gets published on the 14th, the original Sabrina from 1954 with Audrey Hepburn, William Holden, and Humphrey Bogart. June 15th, the John Waters 1988 version of Hairspray, the original. The not musical. The not musical, which there's there's a fa- there's a term we use in the household. It's, it's when it comes to Emma and her movies, and we call it the early phase. Yes. Where I was there, and you were there, and we watched it, but you have no recollection of it whatsoever because you're young. So Hairsp- John Waters' Hairspray falls into that category. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She loves the musical. I remember taking yep. you to the musical. That was fun. I own it. Yep, we own it. And so anyway, they, that is happening June 15th. June 21st, the original version of The Producers. Which I remember a little more. A little better. Um, but still not that much. That's right. I definitely want to revisit that. Good. Uh, June 28th, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Suspicion with Joan Fontaine and Cary Grant. That is where the na- nickname Monkey Face comes from. Hi, <laughs> Helen. Yes, that's what Cary Grant calls Joan Fontaine. It's such a what a what a romantic nickname, <laughs> but it's really good because it's a woman who falls in love with a man who may or may not be a lady killer. Uh, okay, it's Hitchcock and it's Cary Grant. Uh, June twenty ninth, uh, Independence Day, the original. July fifth, Ghost. Yes. Um, July thirteenth through the twentieth is the Harry Potter series where they're showing. All of them, 13th through the 20th. Um, July 26th, the Indie Shorts International Film Competition put on by Heartland Films. August 2nd, to Have and Have Not, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. August 9th, Bring It On. Did you, oh. did you, do you like the Bring It On film? Did you watch a Bring It On film? I saw one of them once, um, <laughs> and then I was like, wait, they made a musical of it? What? Yeah, they did. Um, I 
cheerleaders are cool, <laughs> I guess. Okay, you guess. <laughs> well, this is the original with Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union and Jesse Bradford, Elijah Dushku. I know there are several because, you know, it's just young girls in skirts jumping. So, anyway, that is August 9th. August 16th, Moana. August 23rd, 13 Assassins. And August 30th, the original, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I have to go to that. <laughs> yep. So that is happening. The Summer Nights Film Series at Newfields. At the Historic Art Craft Theater in Franklin. Tuesday, June 18th at 10 a.m. Wow, I saw this in the theater. Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back. Uh, where the Peanuts gang go to summer camp and they get into a competition with the rival camp of really not nice kids. I've never seen that. It's heard of it. it's okay. <laughs> it, no, it's it's all right because there was let's see um, a boy named Charlie Brown, which I remember seeing in the theaters, and and a Snoopy come home, which I bawled as a I, child. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And then I believe this was the third of the uh, of the ones Paramount Pictures put this out. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's a thirty five millimeter print of that. Um, not movies, but June 19th at 7 o'clock, the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Friday and Saturday, June 21st and 22nd, the 1971 film version of Fiddler on the Roof. So it's 2 and 7.30 p.m., so just a quick turnaround because it's a long one. Topol and Norman, directed by Norman Jewison. Full disclosure, Emma and I were in a production of Fiddler two years ago where I was the rabbi and you were in the chorus and uh, that was that was that was enjoyable. And there is now a documentary about the history of Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, nice. So we will have to look that up. Tuesday, June twenty fifth at ten a.m. Matilda. I love Matilda. We might have to road trip this. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, that is happening at the Art Craft Theater in Franklin. Another another thing we try to uh, uh, it's another goal. One more while you're still in the house is going to a drive in. Yeah, we keep um, talking about it, but and there's one kind of close to our house. Yeah, there's on the border nearby that I've we should been check hearing th- from friends about. Right, so we should check that. Out. But at the Tibbs Drive-In in Shelbyville, not to, uh, not Shelbyville, that's the skyline. But at the Tibbs, now a little explanation, my dear. Um, in in my younger days, sometimes you would just get bizarre pairings of films together. Um, and nowadays we try to check and see. Sometimes it's the same studio. Sometimes it's the same genre. Sometimes it's the same rating. Just but, one word that in common or something. Maybe, maybe. But uh, but there, I mean, and and also the fact that you could get the main feature could be a new film, and it the second feature could be an older film, mm-hmm. not like dirt old, but. Um, one example I used was I remember there was a Dudley Moore double feature in 1981. Arthur, the original Arthur, was yes. was the big film, and then the second film was his movie Ten, which was two years old. Okay, and it was the same studio. So anyway, so that's so let's we're gonna find a connection here. I'm mean, just one way, shape, or form. So screen one is Shaft, which we've already talked about. Screen two is Ma. I need to see that. Yes, and it's one of of course. Um, I think we're going to see how well Octavia Spencer chews scenery because, <laughs> well, you know, so long as it's chewed well, um, I think I use the term artfully. with what artfully. Yes, delicately. artfully. Well, uh, there's a film that's on video now called Greta with um, Chloe. Chloe. Gerwig? No, it's not. It's not her story. <laughs> Chloe. Uh, Chloe Grace Martz and uh, Isabel Huppert. Yeah. Um, 
But Isabel Huppert chews scenery with a knife and fork and grace. <laughs> it's it's a fun. I mean, it's a it's a very female centric stalker thriller. Love that. And uh, yeah, I figured you would like. You might have to rent that. But but she's really because I I it's one of those. It's um, I heard, I saw the trailer. I went, oh, she's gonna chew. I want to see her chew, and she does. The other one that I would like, and I'll see it on video, was um, The Intruder with Dennis Quaid, where he's the stalking a younger (laughs) family. walk in and go, Dennis Quaid is here? Dennis Quaid on Ellen reference. That's what you get here at Film Sociology. So, yeah, that is happening. So, yeah, I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing Ma as well. Mm -hmm. Screen 2, Secret Life of Pets 2. No Louis C.K. in this one, oh. and screen to and the second feature Godzilla King of King of Monsters King of the Monsters Animals. An- <laughs> that is the connection. But there's no Gamera in Godzilla, That's unfortunately. A shame. That is a shame. Maybe the third one because Gamera is really neat and and, <laughs> and turtle meat and he's friends to all children. Yes, uh, I've made Emma watch the Mystery Science Theater treatments of Gamera. Uh, screen three, Men in Black International. And Brightburn. I don't know about Brightburn. Um, boy who turns out to be a superhero but not a good superhero. Um, That's a hard pass. Mm. That's a soft pass. <laughs> I don't know. Just not even thinking um, about it. I'm trying to think connection. Like oh, um, klutzes with <sighs> too much power. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think they just threw those together. And then finally, screen four, X-Men Dark Phoenix and Aladdin. Which one? What do you think? The new? Yes. Will Smith is in Blueface. No. Um, um, well, it's, oh, 20th Century. Isn't 20th Century Fox owned by Disney? Yeah, something like that. So No. No? All right, fine. That's Anyway, that's happening at the Tibbs Drive-In. At the Skyline Drive-In, yeah, Secret Lives of Pets 2, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and oh, only, oh, that already happened, so I'm not talking about that. Um Let's see what's some other upcoming. They do have a. Oh yeah, that's a Toy Story four is coming up. Of course, I should mention on. Um, come on, open up. At uh, the Skyline Drive-In, there is supposed to be an interview with a film director on the nineteenth, uh, and I can't find it, so I'm just moving on. Sorry about that. Um, new on DVD and Blu-ray this week. The the big title is uh, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So you and Mom did see that. I have not. Seen you have it. not seen that. I think you'll like it. Brie Larson's very cool, and and there's a cat, but it's not quite a cat. <laughs> and you get and and there's also more Sam Jackson in this one. Great. So um, and this is this is a standalone. I know. I yeah. we've talked before about um, yes, the Marvel movies. It, are for the most part have been good to very good, um, but there's 22 of them, and it feels like a job. So, much. so, and I know you've seen. I do two. The two. Wait, you've seen both Guardians or I've just seen the first? First Guardians. I've seen the second Ant Man. <laughs> I've Weirdo. seen. That was your fault. Yeah, I know. Um, I've seen both Deadpool's. I've but seen... no, that's that's it's sort of kind of not. Well, it's, it's a long five, so Fine. I count it. Okay. Um, I've seen Doctor Strange. You did like Doctor Strange. Doctor yeah. Strange was a good standalone. Yeah, though I don't remember it too well. You like be Benedict honest. Cumberbatch? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. That might have been it. And I no, there's I've seen a couple others, but they're clearly not that that memorable. Huge. So yeah, that's I mean, 
it's it's a good one, and yeah, you get to see them go back to a lot of '90s references. So, uh, but yeah, that is that is the big title on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Now we have to get to Dead People We Like because we don't have time for Dead People We Don't Like. Uh. Thank you, Chris <laughs> and Kobe. I still use that clip. Um, actress Sylvia Sidney, who uh, passed away at I believe age 94, and uh, received an Academy Award nomination as a prostitute who hustles young hustler Joe Buck in 1969's Midnight Cowboy. Is Midnight Cowboy in the book that you're you're reading? It should I be. I am only halfway through the first essay. I see. That's all right. Uh, I'm sorry. Little little downtime here at the house. But uh, trivia: Midnight Cowboy was the first X-rated film to win Best Picture, nice. and it's X rating 1969 standards compared to today. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's not anyway. But um, other noted films by by Sylvia Sidney: films like uh, God Told Me To from 1976, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. She was Aunt Marion in Damien, The Omen Two, um, Behind the High Wall. Um, that yeah, a lot of TV as she was in Hammett, uh, Order of Death, and uh, she played Juno in Beetlejuice, craggy old lady. Oh, uh, <laughs> who's like not the football coach, right? Um, used people, Mars attacks, and so there you go. And that that sound, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna get to that sound in a little bit. Um, um, as far as Voice or actor recognition, your O's. So, uh, and I also want to mention uh, Leon Redbone. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna end the show with a little bit of Doctor John, but Leon Redbone, the singer, who uh, passed away a couple weeks ago, and this was uh, a gentleman who's you know whose film music appeared in a number of films, Mixed Nuts, Trial and Error, Fifty uh, First Dates, but best known he did a duet of Baby It's Cold Outside with Zoe Deschanel in the film Elf. Yes, so thank you, Leon. And we'll, like I said, we'll end we'll end with uh, Doctor John in a little bit. A uh, few video titles that were sent to me recently that I wanted to bring up. Um, there's a two DVD series, four film series, which I thought they were films. That I think they're actually made for for network television. In this wow. case, German network television called Sarah Stein, the from Berlin to Tel Aviv, the complete series, and it's a it's a a, um, a Jewish female detective working in Berlin. That's the the first episode. And in that case it's finding a DJ who uh has who was murdered and the DJ uh was from Israel, so there's that conflict as far as finding the killer and religion and race relate and nationality relations. Mm-hmm. So um and then she winds up meeting and falling for an Israeli uh piano player and moves to Tel Aviv and starts to do some cases there. And as a there's an arc as far as the relationship between the her and the musician and the, the four other cases that are involved in this. It's it's pretty good. So that is out there. Um, we also have from France a film called The Sower, from set in uh, 1851. Uh, Napoleon's army has arrested all the men in a remote village, so the women have to take care of everything. And what happens when a man, a random male, arrives, and that the village decides that they will share him? This what is this chicken run? This well, <laughs> little, more like the beguiled than chicken run. Ooh. Nice reference. Yeah, I showed Emma the original Clint Eastwood version of the beguiled. Uh, that's of course, uh, yeah, it is spooky. And I think 
we'll have to work on the remake, directed by Sofia Coppola. Yeah, I do have want to see that. that story, of course, directed by a woman. That's very different. Very slightly different. So, uh, so yeah, somebody, I believe some of the uh, quotes is, is the beguiled meets black narcissist. Um, and, of course, they're trying to do this for the survival of the, billi- of the village. And, you know, they, they need to populate. So that's out there. I'm saying populate in front of my kid. So also, uh, also new on video, and that's from uh, Film Movement, as is the Italian-American comedy All You Ever Wish For. And uh, we have a we have a businessman who in a in a post breakup slump. His father owns the business, kind of getting on his son's case. The son might inherit the business someday, but he doesn't want to. But he winds up going to Milan for a deal and is kidnapped by some Italian thugs. And their hideout is in the village where a, the cabinet are st- staying in is put under a gypsy spell, mm-hmm. and not a gypsy. Well, it should be it's it's a gypsy spell but not a puck spell because the spell is the first person they see they fall in love with. Oof. So yeah, barring from a little bit of midsummer and each, yeah, each man falls for, oh, I'm sorry, for, falls in love with the first living soul they see. So the captive falls in love with a very attractive leading lady looking uh, village lady. Tell me someone falls in love with like a bird. Uh, close, a cow. Wow. And another one falls for a guy. So, but but it's it has is it is one of those charming cinematic little villages that you, it's like a you, I don't know if you ever saw uh, Englishman who went up a hill came down a mountain Waking yeah, Dead it. Waking Ned Divine is another one of those local heroes another yeah where everybody's fascinating and interesting you're we should go there yeah. that's mm-hmm. kind of that's that feel to it very lightweight although it, and I have to mention it's, it's great to see that guy James Remar as the dad um, and and James Remar of course has been a heavy one of those heavies from the 70s and 80s films like the Warriors 48 hours um, and and it's anyway it's nice to see him in a comedy so anyway those are from film movement okay ladies and gentlemen I, I I'm as I said, you're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI.org. And uh, I'm here with my daughter, Emma Sosi, and, and I've, I've deemed this part one of the Emma Files because she is entering her senior year of high school. And I thought it'd be fun, if she's willing, and hopefully this will go over well, of, of looking back. Because one of the things, if you're, if you're a list, long-time listener to this show, 10 years, thank you, or just a friend, that you've heard lots of stories of us taking Emma to stuff. Uh, parental guidance is suggested. We did. So, you know, we, someday we will write a book on how to raise your, your child with pop culture and not make your kid a couch potato. You're not very potatoey. So, I'm at least crispy. Right. So as, as we mentioned earlier, there's a phase that we call the early years where we took her to stuff. And, and there's a joke of this. Of, by the way, if you're new parents and, and we use the case of mom of, uh, of my lovely wife's example, where uh, her parents said to, to my wife, oh, you went to London. Mom, I was two. <laughs> so don't do that with your kids when it comes to traveling, especially Disney. Uh, oh, Just yeah. Do it. It's yeah. wrong. You're going to be in so much pain. There, that kid is gonna whine all the doodah day. No walking required. Like you could carry them, and they'd have something to complain about. Hello. Uh, <laughs> so, 
so we go, we're going through the early stages. The, I always rem- and somebody's obviously I have, a, I have better recollection for, but the very first movie I took Emma to when she was four. In the theater. In the theater. Says it's one thing, and, but it's just a completely different thing. You can put something on, and we'll get to that, of you know, seeing it in TV is one thing, but there's that moment of you're a new parent, and she's been talking about wanting to go to a movie, wanting to try it out. And finally, there was an opportunity, and there was a film called Racing Stripes, and also known as our house as the Zebra Movie. So, and it's the story of a zebra who's voiced by Frankie Muniz. Hello, for you fans of Agent. Did you ever watch Agent Cody Banks? No. Okay, um, but it's the story of a zebra that wants to be a racehorse, plain and simple. And it's live action. With uh, you know, kind of the like the animals in Babe, you know the vo- the mouths move a little a bit little. and they're voiced by name actors. <laughs> oh my gosh, nice reference. Thank so, you. so and also when you t- the first time you take your your child to a movie, mentally be prepared that you're not going to finish it and you're not going to get your money back. Oh no, you just have to give it a shot. And uh, much to uh, much to Emma's credit, she made it through the film. She had her little booster seat. Where she started, and then she crawled on me, and then went back to the seat, and then crawled on me, and then about halfway through asked, is this over yet? <laughs> but but did not fuss and stuck through it, and we got through it. Mm-hmm. So I was I was very, very fortunate about that, so thank you. And and then, yeah, we uh, can we buy this? That that was another thing that happened quite a, quite a bit in the movie theater. Can we buy this? <laughs> can you, can you, you buy, buy this? <laughs> um, so, uh... uh I hope I'm saying it right. So Hayden Panettiere was the girl for you fans of uh, Heroes and other things in Nashville. Uh, Bruce Greenwood is the dad. Oh, so here's something that happens with these movies are um, point of reference to actors or voices. The dad in this film, Emma, Mm -hmm. wound up being the last boyfriend that Joan had on Mad Men. The traveling one. Yes, the traveling okay. one. So Bruce Greenwood, the fine Canadian that guy actor working constantly. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh is also in this. But, yeah, the voices, we had uh, Frankie Muniz as, as the, uh, as the uh, zebra, Mandy Moore, Michael Clark Duncan, Jeff Foxworthy, Snoop Dogg, Joe, Joey Pants, Joe Pants, I don't know, uh, David Spade, Steve Harvey, Dustin Hoffman, and as the old horse who trains him, and Whoopi Goldberg. So yeah, quite. Who's Whoopi? Uh, Franny. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he was he was Hoffman was the horse who the old grizzled horse who trains the zebra, and of that. course Hoffman would pop up again as the trainer in Kung Fu Panda. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. I so. Love <laughs> And, and he survived, and he's and and you still enjoy him after the Me Too movement. That's good. So, I like I stopped being able to catch up on everything. Okay, she also saw the musical version of Tootsie recently, and do you remember me showing you Tootsie? Yeah, I, okay. I want to revisit it. Good, but I remember enjoying that movie. So, so that was that was the first one. Yes, and then I think we went back into obviously we saw animated stuff, um, young parents. There will be a time where your child will want to watch a movie and watch the same movie every day for about six months. 
Do you remember the two? Because I told you this. Yeah. But you, Emma Sosi, had two films that you would. So already I'm, I'm a blessing. I'm, yeah, already I'm a bless. You're a blessing because I'm like it's not just the same film, but you alternated between yes. these two films. Do you remember the two? Monsters Inc. Yep. And Finding Nemo. Yeah. There you could it could you could do a lot worse, parents. So we got to know those films oh so well. And or also or even the day where you would watch Finding Nemo and want to watch it again immediately. Immediately. So um the only time so I mentioned earlier, be prepared to know that you're not gonna finish film. The the only time that happened, so I have to give I have to give Mrs. Sosi all the credit in the world was when I made the three of us go see and I had to review it, was uh, March of the Penguins. Yeah. And it was tough. Well, we thought because in in Emma's younger days, when I would bring her in to do the old show, The Art of the Matter, um, I would be in a recording studio for about half an hour. So we would Which felt like eternity. Yes, and still does in some when you're in a mood. But <laughs> but uh, but we would set her up at the desk, and then we would go to Google Image, and we would give her three options. They were um, pandas. Uh... Penguins or kitties? And doggies. And doggies. So four options. Well, and then when we figured out YouTube, there is also the novelty of um, cats on treadmills. Yep, that was if the you first. Check that out, please do. <laughs> so yeah, so that that would keep her occupied, and she never, much to her credit, never pushed a button that shut down the station, <laughs> which happened at NPR a couple years back. Anyway, um, so yeah, we thought with we thought, oh, it's a documentary. It's got penguins. It'll happen. You were you were just fussy, and about 20, 30 minutes into it, mom took you into the lobby, and that's where you two stayed while I watched Morgan Freeman talk about penguins. The soothing tones of the Morgan Freeman. The soothing tones of Morgan Freeman. They just weren't weren't appeasing me. But at the same time, and then later, we went and saw, I think, yeah, it was your first Herzog film, Encounters yeah. at the End of the World, which was not about cute, fluffy little penguins. <laughs> but it was, it was fascinating. Yeah. Yes, I. in speaking of Herzog, I introduced our child to dark comedy at a very early. early age, and it was a guy imitating Werner Herzog reading Madeline. Yes, that was the first. What mm. What else? You What were you going to add to South Park? I think I showed you this. No, you didn't. I showed you South Park first. Yeah. However, I, I've been watching that most of my life. Yeah. Well, from my memory. However. Early, early on, they were episodes that didn't involve body parts yeah, 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 and yeah. body fluids and functions. None of that. Like so, like the, 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 the pee- giant guinea pigs. Yeah, the giant guinea pig. The the takeoff of Cloverfield. The Pee Wee hockey team, which I think yeah. is a personal favorite. So, I mean, that had a little blood. That's true, <laughs> but it wasn't excrement. So there. No. Um, so we that was that's that's some of the stuff. Also. Um, Oh, I forgot Wendy Malick was in Racing Stripes. That's true. Um, another one that we we talked about recently, and we're just kind of going all over the place, and don't worry, we'll also do this in part two if there is. <laughs> but uh, one that you latched on to that I, I wasn't particularly crazy about, but you loved robots. I Oh, my God. Robots, Please. I will. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know... <laughs> <laughs> and you were you were that was 2005 and I yeah. did did I I can't I'm trying to remember if I took you to that or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but <laughs> Robots is a splendiferous movie. Really? It is um it's a staple of my childhood. Okay. All right. Um 
So it's about this kid, Rodney, who is, guess it, a robot. <laughs> and, um, um, and his dad is Stanley Tucci, uh, which yeah. I didn't realize for a long time. Um, and then Julia and Julia happened, and I was like, why do I know this guy? I was like, robots. Yeah. Um. It was co- quite common, folks, when we would see a movie and the credits happen, Emma would lean over me, or how do I know these people? Right. And then I would tell her. Um, so it's about Rodney, who is Stanley Tucci's son, um, who's a robot, and he's like, I want to be an inventor. Rodney Copperbottom. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, I want to go talk to, uh, what's his name? Not Oswald. Ratchet? No, no, no. Oh, oh. round guy. That's a round guy. Thank you. He's an orb. Um, and he was like this crazy cool inventor. And he's like, I'm going to go to the big town, whatever it is. And I'm going to be an inventor with him. Uh, but he runs into trouble with Greg Kinnear. <laughs> yeah. Great voice by Greg Kinnear. Very good. Um, who I would first learn his face in the last song. Yes. He's playing, playing Miley Cyrus's <laughs> father. And I always remember the review in the, uh, the AV club that referred to him as the overqualified <laughs> Greg Kinnear. Cause you, in those Either either in the Hannah, the Miley Cyrus type movies or mm-hmm. singers of their ilk, Selena Gomez, whoever, and or the Nicholas Sparks type movies, you have to have at least one credible yeah. actor with a resume to bring a little gravitas to it. Anyway, um, and then he's he's thrown around, and, and he meets some some hooligans. One voiced by the late Robin Williams, right? Um, and one of which was voiced by. Um, now I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. And so... Piper rhymes with Viper. Piper. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, oh, Big Well. Mel Brooks was the voice of, of oh, Big Well. Right. Who, of course, was also the voice of Wiley the Sheep in Jaker's The Adventures of Piggly Winks. Oh, my God. What? So between all of that and then you saw the producers when you you had a lot you had a good Mel Brooks upbringing. <laughs> Mel Brooks. Um but yeah, I love that movie. I have um we probably still own them. We own like it. plasticware though. Oh, of, of the oh the fork. That's yeah. right. Well, there was a fork of Rodney and Piper was a spoon and I think um Bender, Fender? Fender? Oh, sorry. Fender. Yeah, you're right. Fender Bender. Um, <laughs> I think he was also a fork. Yep. Um but so the little story that goes with this movie is um, I knew Amanda Bynes only as Piper and then eventually as Penny in Hairspray. Yeah. That's the only reason I knew her. And so there was a meet and greet with her at like the Keystone Mall. No, actually it was Washington Square. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is on Washington Street. But go on. I'm I'm I I'm with you. And um literally. We we stayed in line for I don't know how many hours. Two. Okay, which, again. <laughs> For a child. An eternity. An eternity. An eternity. And I, like, for most of the time, I couldn't see her. I was, it was just so it was it, it was a big snaky line that right. just. And, like, you saw people with their little, like, Tiger Beat magazines. And I'm, like, here holding a freaking robot's DVD. <laughs> like, yeah. That's all I have. And, um. And we're standing in line for those two hours, and we got kind of close. Like, no? No, not really. <laughs> I thought we were, we had no. at least reached the rope section. Yeah, but, but I mean, there was still a long, long way to way. go. Okay. Um, the, the other part is we were also under a little time crunch because we were supposed to meet with the family at Connor Prairie. Ah. Uh, 
So, but but when we got there, and I say we got there at like noon, mm-hmm. I think, or one o'clock, two o'clock. But there there were people I think that were camping out yeah. like the night before. Mm-hmm. So we had we didn't move a whole lot. Anyway, continue, but, um, please. That was one of my uh, more grown moments, mature moments, mature moments when I was little. Um, because I finally turned to dad and I just said, "Let's go." <laughs> and I I'm asked if done. you were sure. Yeah, you were done. Yeah. You were done. But didn't no meltdown. No, you were just very. You I was were... a little bummed, but like but I was yeah. over it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and what she's saying is dead on. I was there. Um, we, you know, because we had this was the first time she was going to do something like this. Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd give it a shot. And I, from my point of view. When she finally said, let's go, and I verified, are you sure? And she said, yes. And there was a huge relief, and I picked up my child. By the way, I was doing this while I hear the song, Up Where We Belong, from an officer and a gentleman. And I, you know, broke line. And I could see, I saw, like, confused kid faces and and jealous parent faces as we just stormed. I got you, I remember, I got you a treat, and then we met up with the folks and went to mm-hmm. so <clears throat> um so there was that moment and then looking back because we've done meet and greets since of various things a we've done a, we've done a few but it was especially with a line that big we were probably going to get 30 seconds tops yeah. and you know whatever the photo and the sign and that was that mm-hmm. but like yeah when we were there was a period folks when i was uh writing for nouveau news weekly that i was the unofficial kids theater critic because uh, Lisa Godier, the theater critic would get tickets for fill in the blank on ice or fill in the blank live. And go, I don't want to see this. You have a kid. You go cover it. Yes. So we got to like, uh, what was it? Uh, go Diego, go live. live. And we got to do a little meet and greet. And that was like fairly legit time, a few minutes mm-hmm. as opposed to a cattle, uh, uh, right. um, a herd. Uh, yeah, herd of, um, I'm a factory f of yeah that sort of thing so and also the, the taj mahal thing when we saw him at, at white river state park right so you know decent time with somebody not quality time with robert irvine but that's another that's another story for another yes. time so yeah so you you dug robots my issue and this is another parent child generational thing this was your mm-hmm. one of your first um encounters with I was I was already overhearing pop culture, pop music used in right. animated stuff. But I didn't know it. You didn't know that. So, like, you know, Madagascar, I don't need to hear Move It, Move It. I was over Madagascar. Okay, that's good. But, um, so, yeah, Halle, some of the other voices from Robots, Halle Berry, Jim Broadbent as Madame Gasket, um, Mel Brooks, we mentioned, Amanda Bynes, Drew Carey, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Paul Giamatti as the gate guard. <laughs> Emma would later watch in there. Oh, um, dirty. Oh, you and I saw. Did I? I thought I took you to that. It was. Um, it was Amanda Bynes, Frankie Muniz, and uh, Paul Giamatti. And what the hell was that thing called? It was scanning through Big Fat Liar. I thought I took you to that, I but I don't. That. It's okay. So I just know sideways. Yeah, you just know sideways. And that's really, that's pretty good. And yeah, your guy, Stanley Tucci. So, um, and then Valiant, which also had uh, 
uh, Ewan McGregor as the voice. And this was a carrier, a British carrier pigeon in World War One, which I honestly don't remember a whole lot. I remember seeing the trailer a lot, uh huh, and I knew that I saw it, and that you were like kind of jazzed about it, and I said. Hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, okay. I remember taking you to that. And that also reminds me I need to, to show you Moulin Rouge. We'll, we'll get there someday. Someday. Uh, Valiant. Okay, so some of the voices in Valiant include uh, Ricky Gervais, Tim Curry, Jim Broadbent, Hugh Laurie, John Cleese, John Hurt, Rick Mail, Olivia Williams, Jonathan Ross. So, yeah. Like, that, I know a lot of those names, right. and I like them. <laughs> this this was not a big thing, but it was it was something different it, than the average. Um, also early on, uh, Chicken Run. I Yes. So good. And that's I, I major think, Aardman. Yes. Not I, minor Aardman. Well, and that's, I think, going into Valiant, that's what I thought it was supposed to be. Uh-huh. And um, I was let down. But no, Chicken Run is timeless. <laughs> that is Well, and it's because it's, it's impeccable. You have animals, always good. Impeccable. Um, oh, stop. I'm funny. Dad jokes by a 17-year-old. <laughs> um but you also have a, a bunch of great voices involved. And it's and even if you don't get the reference, what I loved about Chicken Run, of course, is there was references to The Great Escape, um, which, no, I haven't shown her yet. Someday, Dad, someday. Sequence. Yeah, have you seen this? What, a sequence. And a sequence. and Steve McQueen jumping the fence in a motorcycle. Right, right. Yes, I, there, were, there was a period, ladies and gentlemen, as a dad where I was showing my daughter stunts from the 60s and 70s, or as I called it, real stunts done by real stunt people. So yeah, the motorcycle jump in uh, in the Great Escape has been has been viewed. So um, so yeah, that's that's another one. To, and it was just it was just very very clever. And and the Ardman films for the most part are very very clever. Yes. Um, you found I found out that you you told me that um, you had you and your you and your sidekick have a mutual love for Elmo and Grouchland. It's such a good movie. <laughs> El- like the the two Elmo movies I ever watched were Elmo and Grouchland and Cinder Elmo. Um, yeah, we watched those a lot, ladies and gentlemen. So much. Um, I haven't watched Cinder Elmo in a while because we have it on VHS, and you guys have that player in your room, and right. I just haven't had the time to lug it downstairs. Um, but I <laughs> there's a song in Cinder Elmo that <laughs> where. Um, the princess, she—they're like spying on her after a. The princess she, of she, trash. No, no, no. Oh, Cinderella. Oh, Cinderella. Oh, yeah, Carrie after, Russell. Sorry. Um, she goes for a swim. They like oh, spy the shaking. on her, and she shakes her the water out of her ears, and like it's a whole song, and um, we would sing that a lot in my house and dance a lot. Yeah, um, that's kind of most of what I remember since I haven't. Rewatched it. Uh, yeah, that's recently. well. You you had uh, Carrie Russell as the princess, Kathy and Jimmy as the stepmother, mm-hmm. um, French Stewart as the prince, Oliver Platt as the fairy god person. My yeah, so right. fun, fun stuff. And of course, with with Elmo and Grouchland, that's where Elmo is finding his blanket that's been taken by a mean guy. Yeah. Your introduction to Mandy Patinkin, my love. <laughs> think, you know, ladies and gentlemen, think about your think about certain actors or performers that you dig and find out where you found where you started with them. And of course, 
because a lot of these actors, you know, they, they, it'll open up a whole new audience, mm-hmm. and they want it, or and or you hear, for their kids. yeah, I want to do something for my kids to see. That's that's yeah. another one. So. I know. <laughs> I first knew Mandy Patinkin in Elmo and Grouchland as. Oh, what is the character's name? It's not Slugworth. I'll find Something out. Something like that. And um, so that's where I first met him. And then soon after, um, I watched um, I watched to no end um, the recordings of the the like video recordings of the original cast of Into the Woods and Sunday in the Park with George. And he was George. Um, so I watched that a ton. Um, that's where he became my husband. And he <laughs> he was confirmed uh, my husband when I first saw The Princess Bride. Huxley was his Huxley. name. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, and Vanessa Williams is the queen of trash. I Bless wanted to be her so bad. She was so cool. Yeah, she her was. Her outfit was awesome. For, we won't talk about the old days, but, and, no, it's all right. I'll tell you later. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, I enjoyed her as Jessie May in the remake of The Trip to Bountiful with mm. Cicely Tyson. So that's all good. So, yeah, um, this there was there was a lot of stuff. We mentioned earlier uh, the producers. So mm. we, uh, we prior to that, it had just been animation. And, and you were you were pretty you were pretty much. I just want to see cartoons. You know, you were you were good with racing stripes because that was different. And we were in California. We were in Palm Springs, and it's been known to happen every time we visit California. There's one rainy day, and of course, and when you're on vacation, it's movie day. Same thing if you're in Florida. But um, so your grandparents were there, and of course, mom and I were there. And so it's 2005. You're four, and we we go to the multiplex, and I had on different shows and radio and TV, I had uh, taken my shoe off and banged it against the podium like Khrushchev about taking your taking little little kids to a movie that they have no business being at whatsoever. Because <laughs> I I the, it goes back to. Well, one of the worst moments I remember was there was a dollar cinema on uh, East Washington Street. And and of course it's a dollar cinema. What do you expect? Right. But I saw Training Day, and there was like ten ten strollers in the theater. Ooh. Yeah. So, or the people that take their kid, and the kid's been crying for twenty minutes and won't leave. That actually, happened. I almost got punched in the face at a screening of Blown Away, which Aunt Laura was at with mm-hmm. me, and uh, I th- as the guy I was, we were sitting in the middle of the aisle, middle of the row. And they had a crying baby, 20 minutes. And uh, and the, the parents finally got up and left. And I, they heard me say, what, it took you that long to figure this out? <laughs> and I thought, if, if I was sitting on the end, he probably would have knocked me out. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, with that being said, so I, yes, I'm the man, the cinematic virtue, uh, you know, experienced guy. And then we finally, all right, let's try the producers. So we go in. And there's not that many people because it's a weekday at 10 a.m. <laughs> so, and uh, we're like, ah, okay, this is, and this is our first PG movie in the theater. And so we start to watch it, and we're enjoying it, by the way. Uh, but every time there was a questionable moment, we kind of look over, and all we saw is our little four-year-old just shoveling popcorn down her throat and just watching the movie. Not saying anything. That's the other thing. As a, there are two types of audience members when you're really, really young. Mm-hmm. One that are quiet and sit there and just let it all soak in. Thank you. You're welcome. And then those, 
like at Dora. Look, yeah. Mom, it's Dora. Look, Mom, it's boots every 10 seconds. Yeah, I, I see it. I'm not blind. Yeah. So so anything that was questionable, we kind of looked over. So, you know, when the Nazis showed up and and then the song Keep It Gay showed up and then Ula shows up. So, singing Hitler's over here. Right, dancing, dancing Hitler's, Hitler's over, over there. there. Um, and so, you know, po- nothing, just popcorn, popcorn, corn. And... Uh, we get done with the movie. I'm like, that's oh, all right, because you weren't you weren't fussy and you weren't talking. So you were you were a legit member of the audience. <laughs> yes, train your kids, folks, to be legit members of the audience. Please. And uh, we walk out of the movie, and I said to I said to you, did you did you like the movie? And you're like, oh yeah. And I said, well, what did you like about it? Yes, we 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 also you want to get critical little thinking. little critical thinking. And, and first thing out of Emma's mouth is, I like Ula. And I said, uh, you know, get in line, kid. You get worried. Yeah, and and uh, and then she goes, I want to be her. Now I'm really worried. And so what every dad mom goes, why? Well, I said, I said, what is? And I said, what do you think Ula does? And you answered, she wears a white dress <laughs> and a blue dress, and she paints the office. And that's all she said. <laughs> that's it. And I, you know, I thought, you know doing unspeakable things with Matthew Broderick. But that wasn't mentioned, so I thought we dodged a bullet. And then we went back to animated movies for a while. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that... you've, you've watched, since watched that musical a hundred times. Oh, my God, so many. I I still haven't seen it on stage. Um, I really want to play Leo Bloom. We know. But. Um, <laughs> so I... you're waiting for non-traditional casting in this musical. Yes. Um, <laughs> and but and the... 1776. I... Hello, <laughs> casting directors. Oh, the producers, really. Area. Yeah. Um, I want to play John Adams in 1776 so bad. Um, so if someone wants to make that happen, oh my gosh. hit me up. I'm on D- Instagram <laughs> oh my. and Twitter as Emma Sosi. <laughs> that's my child. I That's me. I put that. Me. I did that. <laughs> That's I did this. I created. You gave that. me a platform. I did give you a platform and a show. So, all right, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, there's there was a lot of stuff that we watch at home. Um, yes, so many, <laughs> so many, so. so many DVDs. Um, and I remember it. So, and we'll, we'll mention this. We'll wrap up with this, and then we'll, we'll hopefully do another one of these fairly soon. But with but going down a rabbit hole. By the way, I should mention she was a little nervous because. And I I remember in your younger days, I would ask you to do a review of something, and it would be pretty short. <laughs> and and then, but your descriptions of the film would be fairly long. So, no, but it was I I I tried to. Uh, you've heard me say over the years, work on your pitch. Yeah, I get very stuck on specific moments and right. little little things. So when she would describe a movie to something, she would describe a movie to mom, and then I would do it in pitch form, and then I'd get Emma look. Yes. So anyway, um, but the first R-rated film she saw under supervision with me. Now, it was not— I will correct you if you're wrong. You, you say it's Entered the Dragon. Yes. I thought it was Bridesmaids. No. Okay. I saw because here's what happened. Okay. You made me watch Enter the Dragon. I did. Oh, be- before be- Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Bridesmaids came out in what, like, 2012? No, not that. It was definitely later, um, because John Hamm was famous. Did you like John Hamm? Oh, 2011. Heh. So you were you were 10. Yeah, but Kung Fu Panda. When did that come out? We'll talk. Because long. that's when I. You made me watch it before we saw Kung Fu Panda in the theaters. 
and yeah, that I'm, was like 2009. I'm, I'm that guy. 2008. So you were okay. So I'm right. Are you, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> I'm correct. You I'm, want to say it once more so you can right immortalize that. All and right, you hold. are wrong. I'm gonna let you say it again. <laughs> I am a soci. Am right, and my father, old crusty Matthew Soci, is um wrong. <laughs> Do you enjoy that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I stand corrected. See, uh, I'm I'm old and crusty. So yeah, two, Kung Fu Panda was 2008, and then yeah, Bridesmaids was 2011. So yeah, that's not. But you also, know, also technically, Bridesmaids was unrated. No, did I show you the unrated version? That's what we own. Oh, okay. Oh, now you're just being picky. <laughs> you're being. If you were any more petty, you'd. Tour of the Heartbreakers, uh, but I thought but those two not bad. I mean, there's there there are harsher things out there, but even yeah. like The Exorcist, which eventually we got to eventually. So uh, I guess I'm not wrapping this up. Um, no, you're not. When when Emma was a, a little baby, baby, I was the only one. Al- I also I also am a fan of the long form joke. Uh-huh. I was the only one allowed to wipe Emma's face. She did not like anybody's. Uh, Hands in their business, yeah. So, but when I would get a little baby wipe and wipe my daughter's face, I would say, I would make the sound of Mercedes McCambridge from The Exorcist and say, it burns, it burns. And this giggled Emma for some reason, because I, if you know me, I just say and do random stuff sometimes, whether people get it or not. I don't really care. I'm almost 50. And uh, I did this, and it just gave Emma the giggles. And then eventually she started to make the sound. It bones, it bones. And, of course, I remember your mother saying, you know, she's going to be 18 or something like that. And then the first time she watches The Exorcist, and then she's just going to drop, bury her head in her hands going, oh, God, that's where Dad got that. Well, it came earlier. Um, It was when... Our buddy Kyle was here. We also went through a brief period where we were watching scary movies in the daytime because it's better in the daytime. Yeah. So uh, Kyle had never seen The Exorcist. I went, well, neither is my kid. So here we go. And we watched it. And that moment came on. And the look you gave me of, yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, there's, uh, your introduction to R-rated stuff, of course, under parental guidance. Will you tell me the first R-rated film you watched without us? See, I don't know because okay. I haven't. Gone... You're not into ratings, man. I, I'm really not. Um, <laughs> you don't care. I don't. I still haven't been to an R-rated film in the theater by myself, though I can now. Well, I'm that's grown. just really. Um, you're 17. Well, according and, to and, and, and well, that's also you probably haven't run into enough lax cinema employees. No, no, no. The okay. 17 is the R age, right? Um, I know. So haven't done that. Um, at home though, I don't know. No, you haven't snuck anything. Everything. Well, I don't sneak. <laughs> That's true. I we just don't watch sneak. Things that yeah. we own or that are on. See, folks. Ah, services. see, my generation, we had to wait until the parents went away. Like, okay, let's put it in. I mean, also like. But you also watch. You, you, you also do a lot of YouTube and others. Say, I, I know we're chill, but yeah, you, you know, you don't actually just plop down and watch a movie. Not, a lot. Not much anymore. Um, We've got one more year, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and can we watch a movie when you come home from from college? Maybe. Thank you. Mm. Okay. So, all right. I think on that note, that's a pretty good way to wrap up part one of the Emma Files. That was fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. I want to end with a little bit of uh, music from Dr. John. Of course, Dr. John just passed away uh, this past um, earlier this last week. I should say I was out of town when that happened, and uh, immortalized in the film The Last Waltz, um, where he performs with the band, and uh, was also in Blues Brothers 2000. But we don't hold that against him. Um, music that appeared in, I won't do all of the titles, but yeah, he actually did, he actually was on Sesame Street in 1969. I mean, hasn't everyone been on Sesame Street? Uh, we haven't. That's true. That is true. But, uh, but films like, uh, Casey Shadow, The Last Waltz, uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Angel Heart, Colors, Bull Durham, yeah, I got to show you Bull Durham. And Aunt Laura says you should watch Bull Durham. Uh, Hudson Hawk, The Mighty Ducks, um, n- a number of films. Uh, Mrs. Winterborn, um, Just the Ticket, Meet the Parents, numerous others. One that cracks me up in particular, and that's where we're going to end the show with, is, um, oh, the other part is very early on, Emma learned the value and the power of the local horror show host uh, yes. because a lot of Svengoolie and Sammy Terry in the younger days. And yes, I also, I'm also the kid that showed her the guy that showed her mystery science theater. Yeah. We'll save that for part two. But there was, I, I remember one night in particular we were watching, um, I believe we were watching Sammy Terry. It was Halloween mm-hmm. and it was a slow night for the trick or treaters, which meant more chocolate for us. Yes. And one night I think you, you and I just went on YouTube and I just showed you like the, the horror show host I grew up with in Michigan was Sir Graves Gastly. Yes. And I showed you Elvira and every, so every city had their thing. So we just kind of went through and like, okay, here's New York and here's this. So uh, Dr. John, of course, when he was in new Orleans, um, did did a song for their local show horror show host, a guy who went by Margus the Magnificent, and uh, go online. There's clips of Margus, but uh, this is from a collection on Sunset Boulevard Records. And yes, I think next next part stuff I made you watch at work. Oh uh, but this is called Doctor John, who was Mac Rebenack, and these are recordings that. Mac Rebenach did before he became known as Dr. John as a musician. So anyway, here is, we're going to hear uh, Margus the Magnificent, Emma Sosi. Thank you for hanging out on Film Sociology. The door is always open for you. Yeah. <laughs> as a dad, I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, here we go. Here's Dr. John, Margus the Magnificent. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, Michigan. Magnificent. We don't go out to rolling rock. We get our kicks from the house of shop. He's got shaggy hair and a graveyard stare. Vampire blood spill everywhere. That's Argus. Magnificent. Magnificent. 